I, I think of myself similar to uh, a scientist, if you will, over the next uh, six weeks as I'm preaching this series. It's like I'm taking three hours out of Jesus' 30 years in this world. Three hours his time when he was crucified at noon until 3 p.m. Three hours slicing it and sticking it on a slide. Do you remember how you did it in school? And you stick it under the microscope and you, you power it up or turn it on and you focus in and you look at it, at the, the I guess, the detail of it all. Those three hours, what did it mean for us and for the world? That's what I want us to get at because my life has been forever changed by it. The world has been forever changed by it. And you have or can be changed by it. And so today we're going to look at the first phrase that Jesus said while he was being crucified, perhaps not lifted up yet on the cross to die, but, but while he was being nailed to it, the words that he spoke while the soldiers were doing that, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Now, I don't know about you, but, but last words mean a lot. And, and if you've ever had to say farewell to someone that lives far away, and I'm thinking of my son, who I get to see maybe a couple of times a year now, the final words that he speaks to me before he gets on the plane are golden, and they just ring in my head. And famous last words, people are, are noted for, at least historically notable people, they're noted for their famous last words. Let me share just a few with you of people that said things that make you think and go, hmm, right before they passed away and died. Um, the Joan Crawford, actress, said to her housekeeper who was praying <clears throat> because she knew that Joan Crawford's death was imminent. She said, don't you dare ask God to help me now. That's what she said. Uh, P.T. Barnum, famed showman and uh, purveyor of circuses, said this, uh, how are the receipts today at Madison Square Gardens? Like that was going to matter, right? When his time was soon to come. Humphrey Bogart, actor, said, I, I should have never switched from scotches to martinis for my drink of choice. That tells you a lot about where his mind was as he was leaving. Uh, Queen Elizabeth I of England, 1600s, said, All of my possessions, but for only a moment of time. And that sums it up, I think, for, for uh, everyone. Uh, Victor Hugo, great writer, who wrote Hunchback of Notre Dame and other novels, said, I see a black light. William Shakespeare, do you remember? This is probably the most famous literary last words of of Julius Caesar, a tu brute, as he dies there in the Senate chamber. Mark Twain, when it was rumored that he was on his deathbed, though he was touring with a book tour in England at the time, uh, laughed about his uh, final words and what they might be. It was reported the next day in the New York Journal. Uh, Mark Twain was undecided whether he was in fact dying in poverty in London as rumored or not. Um, it went on to say, the great humorist, while not perhaps very robust or at his best, appeared to be in pretty good health. And he said, I can understand perfectly how the reports of my, my illness or even my death got about. I've even heard on good authority that I was dead, but reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. 
What do you think that your final last words would be if you could script that? It makes us stop and go, hmm. Jesus' last words, his dying breaths, if you will, included, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Let's talk real, real, real quickly, and let me answer three questions that will help us understand the purpose and meaning of this for us today. And the first of those is, why did Jesus say this out loud? I mean, if you were being put to death by capital punishment, would you stop to say something, or would you just be thinking things? Especially with other people in mind, asking God to forgive people that were causing him great harm that he knew would lead to his death? How is it possible, or why would he even think to stop and say that out loud? We think, and I'm I'm sure that Jesus was praying his whole last hours in this world as he was going through torture and, and ridicule and a trial. I know that he was praying all the while, but why did he choose to speak this, these words out, this prayer for those that were there to hear? Well, and there are several reasons for that. Uh, one of those is that that in fact Jesus wanted everyone to hear what he was there for. His purpose was being stated in that prayer that he was offering that day for forgiveness. So he was there and he was uh, speaking aloud so that everyone could be told, his disciples perhaps reminded, about what the cross was all about about his completing that mission that he had been called to. Do you remember, in, in many times along the way in his Gospels, in his teachings, Jesus reflected on and said that he was going to die, and no one grasped it fully. Or maybe they just didn't want to hear it, or thought it's, it's really not going to happen. Some might have even thought he's just crazy talking about this. But those of us that have studied, those of us that know the faith, and, and the scriptures know that Jesus, all the while in his three years of ministry, was headed towards this destination of the cross and dying there to, to bring forgiveness. He wanted the whole world to hear or to be reminded that it is there that sins were forgiven. All sins were forgiven. Luke's account gives us three of these statements. Today is the first one. Next week, we'll look at another of Luke's statements. And then the last week, um, Luke, we think, was a physician, the writer of this gospel. And so there, on Jesus' deathbed, if you will, and Luke is certainly aware and understanding of the physicality of crucifixion and knows very well that in order to speak while, while being crucified or hanging on a cross took much more effort than it does for me to just speak to a crowd right here and now. And yet Jesus believed that everyone needed to hear him praying for, for us and for everyone for the, the, the sake of forgiveness. Second question is to whom was he referring? Who was he asking God to forgive that day? And you figure that Jesus has had quite a day, right? Quite a day. And to quickly recount for you, he had had a, a meal with his disciples in the upper room. 
unless you're in John's gospel, in which he washed their feet. And then he was arrested. And Jesus was taken by the religious authorities and, and interrogated, if you will, by the religious establishment, the Sanhedrin and the chief priests. And they wanted to silence Jesus. They actually wanted him to die because he was a thorn in their flesh. And so they took him to the authorities of the day, to King Herod, the ruling king of that area, and to the, the Roman governor who had been appointed by the Caesar to oversee and make sure that the peace of Rome was, was run well in Jerusalem. Both of those authorities were, were brought to Jesus with the intent and the desire to put him to death. And there Jesus, um, Jesus suffered. He was punished, flogged, beaten, forced to carry his cross, and with the help conscripted of, of Cyrene to carry it with or for him up to, to Golgotha. Jesus was referring to in his prayer all of us. It's easy to play the blame game, and uh, people that are scholars have done this, Christians that don't fully understand or are trying to come to terms with Jesus' death, look at who done it in this scenario. Whose fault was it that Jesus died? Who was it that killed Jesus? There was a famous book out a few years ago, Killing Jesus. If we look at it just as a, a Nagatha Christie novel of a who done it, we can get caught up very easily in saying, well, he was saying, please forgive these soldiers that are carrying out their duty, nailing me to this cross. Or maybe he was referring to the crowd that, that yelled to Pilate, crucify him, instead of letting the innocent Jesus go and putting to death the guilty Barabbas. Or maybe it was those religious leaders. It's easy for us to say who is responsible for the death of Jesus. And it's natural and easy for us to do that because... We don't want to lay any claim to the responsibility. Now, I know that some of you are old here, older than me, but you're not 2,000 years old. And so it's easy for us to say, I had nothing to do with the death of Jesus. But, but we need to understand that his forgiveness that was going on there was not for individuals or for people. Though imagine the pain and the suffering and the humiliation he felt on the human side. But instead, we believe the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, was crucified for their sins, the sins of everyone that has lived since, and your sins and mine as well. Now, I know that's not good news, and sometimes we don't like to go to the bad news, do we? And yet we are told time and again throughout the Bible, and in the Old Testament especially we see, that we human beings have a, a heart condition that needs God. We, we easily go astray and choose the wrong things that point us in the direction of not the kingdom of God, but, but the kingdom of the world, or our own kingdom instead. And even when we come to believe and we're course corrected and we we follow Jesus in loving and bringing his peace and joy to the world, it's easy for us to slip and to, like sheep, just nibble our way off track little by little and get pointed in the wrong direction.
direction. Jesus called all of those who followed him and prayed for all of those that would come to be faithful and unified in their following him. And he went to the cross to die for the sins of the world. In the Old Testament, there was the sin offering that was made in the tabernacle or temple in the Holy of Holies to forgive all of the sins of the people. Jesus' death on the cross was, was the sacrifice of all sacrifices to forgive the sins of the world, the sins of the world altogether. I, I love John Wesley's take on, on the atonement of our sins because he speaks about how it is, it is proveniently granted to us, this gift of grace. His love, mercy, and forgiveness is provided to all of humanity even before we come to terms of understanding that we, we are not righteous and fall short of God and are guilty of our sins. And yet still, there is the good news in light of the bad news that God went to great extents and great lengths to send his son into the world and to make a sacrifice for our sins, even mine. John Wesley said, and he realized in his life even before he knew of his guilt of sin, God had already made a way for, for his forgiveness and for grace. And that's the last question today is, what does this statement of Jesus from the cross mean for, for you, for me? Yes, Jesus died and said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing to the entire world, and thank God. But what about on the personal level for you and for me? He was referring to my sin and referring to your sin, and he calls to offer you that gift of forgiveness time and again. Over and over, even when you think you don't deserve his forgiveness, his love and his mercy, his grace, He's done it, and he's willing to offer it to you today, every day that you live. This season of Lent that we're in, and one of the things as I made the sign of the cross on people's heads on Ash Wednesday as we began it, was to, to turn and follow Jesus faithfully during this time. To go our own way, to go the way of, of our own kingdom or sin, but to go the way of God. And I would dare say that all of us during this season need some time to self-examine where it is that we've gone astray. What is it that weighs heavy on your heart that you've done or, or maybe that you've left undone? Or what is it that you feel guilt about or, or shame? Those are things that if, if confessed to God in Jesus' name will be given up and done away with. There's a great joy and a great peace in life that comes. And it's unlike anything, any pill that we can take, any self-help book that we can read, any song that we can listen to. There is a peace and joy that comes with the gift of grace and forgiveness that if we grasp it personally, will transform our lives and the way that we look at things. It was referred to by Paul in his writings in the New Testament as the, the circumcision of the heart, the cutting away of those things that weigh us down and, 
and are so heavy and difficult to bear. But Jesus has given us this gift of grace that is undeserved and yet available for all. And so I want to ask you today, what do you need to ask his forgiveness for? Because it's for you. You can choose whether to unwrap it and to play with it and to make it your life's joy and purpose and peace. Or you can just leave it there at a safe distance and, and, and let it respectfully sit where it should and be knowledgeable about it. But where in your heart do you feel God calling you to, to turn back to him, to let go of things that have weighed you down for way too long that are far too difficult to carry? The other aspect of this, as I get ready to, to conclude today, is not just where is it that you need to seek forgiveness and accept this gift, these words of Jesus for you, but where do you need to offer forgiveness to others? It's doubly difficult to offer that gift, though we have been the recipients of his grace to forgive others when they have done to us things that have been wrong or hurtful or selfish. In any relationship, you know that, that the back and forth, the tit for tat, can lead to just, well, havoc instead of, of harmony. I was talking to someone a couple of weeks ago about a work relationship that they have with a colleague and, and about how the colleague was always asking, um, well, why haven't you done this for me? Or what about you not following through with what we had agreed on back then? And was always bringing up all of the, the things that he had not done completely right. And he said that we just go back and forth and we can't get anything done. It's not a beneficial relationship anymore. And I asked him, well, have you forgiven him for the ways that you feel that has not come through and done his end of the bargain or the contract or whatever it is that is needed. And he said, you know, I need to think about that. I would imagine we all need to think about that, don't we, in our lives with somebody, with somewhere along the way, somebody that's in our life right now or at home or maybe in work or school. It may be somebody from long ago that we won't even have an opportunity to speak to again. And yet, Yet somehow we need to offer that gift of forgiveness and grace to them because it's what Jesus has done for us and what he calls us to. The world is in a heap, a heap of anxiety and a heap of hatred. And our world needs Jesus' forgiveness to make us sane and live together again. Are you willing to be a person of that? And he was so adamant about it that he spent his entire life preparing for and his last week faithfully following through the difficult passion that he went through to die on the cross to grant us that. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. That prayer was for you, and it was through you for others. And if you will grasp it and ask God's help by his grace and through the presence and ability of his Holy Spirit, he'll enable you to let go of those things you need to be forgiven of 
or forgive those things that you cannot forgive yourself. So let's pray together. Lord, speak to us through these words this week and help us to do what is needed, both in our heart with you and in our heart and relationship with others. Amen.